This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello, friends, and welcome to a Wednesday Wisdom episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the J, the answer is I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. But as to today's episode, our Wednesday Wisdom episodes are this. I am sharing the audio of my sermons from the church I pastor, Evident Grace Fellowship in Fredericksburg, Virginia, as well as sermons from churches I have pastored prior, as well as sermons that I've preached at other places. And I'm sharing them with you for this reason. My sermons are usually not too long. They're between 30 and 40 minutes long. And by sharing them with you, it gives you a chance for some spiritual encouragement midweek. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's challenging and encouraging, like I said. And if it is, would you please send me a note at uh, gordon at jgordonnuckin.com or maybe even share this sermon online, Facebook, or on your Instagram story. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get to the sermon. Luke 22. 22-35 And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's been such a burden this year in this one aspect. I I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to who've told me, uh, Gordon, I'm, I'm doing so well with Jesus, but then I walk through those two doors right there and I get here and I can't worship. And it has broken my heart. I've had someone tell me, Gordon, I'm really happy setting up chairs, but then the moment the call to worship happens... It seems like I can't worship. And as a pastor, there's absolutely almost nothing more than immorality that breaks the heart of a pastor. Like, why, God? Why would, why, like, what is it that's preventing joyful worship? And so part of my design for the prayer series is I thought, what else can we do but pray for a month? And so for me, it's, it's, it's opened my heart towards motivation. It's opened my heart for expectation. It's opened my heart for repentance. And if you're not participating in this season of prayer, first of all, gang, I don't know why you wouldn't. Your church has called you to it. But otherwise, you got nine days left. Like, make these last nine days purposeful. Join in for a unity of spirit where we just open our heart to God. 
That's the beautiful thing about grace and mercy. You just get to start over again the next day, right? But then this morning, as I'm having this battle between my notes and my heart, uh, I'm going through a journal this morning, and Psalm 37.4 hits me. Now, Psalm 37.4 says this. It says, Delight your heart in the Lord. Excuse me. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Let me say it again. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the plain reading of that says, if you delight in God, you get whatever you want. And that's exactly what that verse says. If you delight in God, you get whatever you want. Now, we're not going to manipulate that to say, we found the pathway to get what you want, folks. That's not at all where we go with that. If you want to understand what delighting in God means, let's go with that. Go with this. Be satisfied in God. And God will give you the desires of your heart. You can see where all of a sudden it comes into conflict with the human heart, right? Because if you're satisfied in God, your desires are completely changed. Oh my goodness, they get transformed. If my heart is satisfied in Jesus, a bunch of my desires get kicked out. Right? The selfish desires get kicked out. Why? Because I'm satisfied. If I'm satisfied in Jesus, I'm not praying for all this discontent mess that I let creep in. My selfishness gets cleaned out. You, let me say it for you, if you are satisfied with Jesus, your wants change. If you're satisfied with Jesus, discontentment gets swept away. I don't know why God has walked us through a season of struggle in worship this year. I start with myself and my leadership and my sanctification and all that. I move to yours. But I know that God intends to do something with this season. We get so surprised, like we can't read the Bible and see the people of God walk through a desert every now and then. We walk through a desert and we're like, time to bail. And I look at the people of God walking through the desert and go, God sent you through a desert. What does he want to do with you in that desert? And this morning I read Psalm 37 and I go, well, it looks like God's telling us, are you delighting and are you satisfied with Jesus? Because when that's the case, your desires change, and your wants change. I mean, we have to ask ourselves, we got here today, and let's do a little fill in the blank. I'm not asking any of you to say it out loud, okay? You get here today, and you say, I am concerned about, and you guys have got your fill in the blank, all of you, okay? I am concerned about, and for some of us, it's financial, some of it's relational, some of it's the, the uh, Christmas or this afternoon's lunch, whether, you know, I get it. We come here with it. And then we arrive, and we need to go, I want from God fill in the blank. That's where we are every single week when we get here. I'm concerned about blank. I want this from God. If you say, I don't really haven't thought about what I want from God, we're a long ways away from the intimacy that we should be called to. Okay? And I'm calling us through Psalm 37 and what God has done in the prep of these verses to say, we must be satisfied with Jesus and Jesus alone. Because then our desires are, I just want to come and experience Jesus. I just want Jesus to be present in my family. I want Jesus to be present in my work. I want Jesus to redeem what I'm doing every single day. I know that God has to work in this pastor's heart to make me more satisfied with Jesus. And I promise you it's true of you. But we go to a church named Evident Grace where mercy overflows when we have to start all over again. And I'm telling you, when this becomes an intimacy in prayer, we're going to become a different people. The big idea, prayer is about being satisfied with Jesus. When your prayer life is, I am satisfied with you, Jesus, then the desires of our hearts change. 
We've got three uh, points we're going to find. Those who long for Jesus are satisfied with Jesus. Those who long for peace are satisfied with Jesus. And those who long for Jesus bless others. That's what we're going to see in this passage today. These three things. Let's jump into our first passage. Forgive me, without notes, I'm pointing up here a lot. You're going to see my back. Those who long for Jesus are satisfied with Jesus. I'm not going to reread every verse. It was a long passage. Amy read it well for us. But here's the context. Jesus is born. He's born. We've gone through the manger. We've gone through all those things. Jesus is born. Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is Jesus being brought to the temple for a purification ceremony. If you want infant baptism in the Old Testament, you just found it. They're taking Jesus for a purification ceremony at the temple, right? As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. You've got this young, broke couple, broker than broke. And they've got to go home because the evil, the evil Caesar said, get here or I'm going to kill you, right? So they're being controlled by their government. They're broke as broke. They don't have any family, but they're going to go and worship. And they get the, to- the poor man's offering. The turtle doves and the pigeons, that's the broke family's offering. Like, we can at least afford that. So they show up, broke is broke. And they're like, but what we're going to do is we're going to obey the law, and we're going to take Jesus, who we think is something special. We're going to take Jesus, the whole world all of a sudden is calling Savior, and we're going to bring him to the temple for a purification ceremony. And all we got is this broke man's turtle doves and two pigeons, and we're going to offer it to God and say thank you. Man, if you told me I was raising a Savior, I assumed I'd be bringing the biggest sacrifice in the world. But already we can see the humility of Jesus and our Savior and the humility of his family. Let's go forward. And there was a man in Jerusalem... His name was Simeon. Now, here's what was Simeon was told. Simeon's a good guy. You're going to see there that he was righteous and devout. There's not a bunch of righteous and devout people in Jerusalem right now. Israel's not full of righteous and devout people. It's been 400 years since God spoke. The people have wandered away. And there's a few people looking for a Savior, and Simeon's one of them, right? He's righteous and devout. And God tells him something. He says, hey, before you die, you're going to see the Savior. And being righteous and devout, he's looking for a Savior. He is expecting God to bring mercy in his life and the life of everyone else. Think about that as a lifestyle for yourself. Simeon is living a life expecting God to bring mercy to the people around him. And Simeon has lived his life that way. And he's old and about to die. And he says, God says to him, and God hadn't been speaking, remember? God says to him, hey, you're going to get to see the Savior before you die. The Savior's just going to be a baby. You're going to get to see him. And so, Simeon, it's in verse 27, the spirit comes in the temple, the brings, excuse me, the parents bring the child, i got to slow down, I'm so excited. The parents bring Jesus into the temple. And 28, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Now, you got this family. They're bringing in Jesus. And some old dude walks up and scoops that baby up. All of us got our, you know, we've been in the mall, right? We've got that barrier for our kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know you, right? But at this point in time, Mary and Joseph are getting used to absolutely weird people coming up and saying things. 
Simeon comes and scoops that kid up, and he said, you're letting me depart in peace. According to your word, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's holding a baby. I've seen the salvation you're bringing. It's going to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. He's saying, listen, in this baby, I know that not only your people are going to be saved, but all the pagans out there too. The people who aren't in this temple today, the salvation is formed. Now look at him. He has longed for peace, and he is satisfied with Jesus. He has longed for peace, and what brings him satisfaction is Jesus. Does he get to see all the relationships reconciled? No. Does he get to see all the relationships with God repaired? No. Does he get to see the the conflicts that happen within each other satisfied? No, he does not. What does he see? Jesus as a baby. Now, friends, here it is for your prayer life, okay? Here's for your prayer life. We spend much of our lives struggling with the lack of peace. We have a lack of peace inwardly. That lack of peace inwardly may very well be the sin you're struggling with. We have a lack of peace in our relationships. You can look at it. Uh, it, it listen, as, as a pastor now, rolling towards 20 years, I can't tell you the heartbreaking, broken relationships I've seen. And you don't even have to be a pastor to see it yourself. We see it as a church. You might say, I used to be so close to so-and-so, and you're not anymore. And it's a struggle. And it'll hurt your worship. It'll break your worship like you've never seen. And you may not even realize it, but what you're doing, if you've got the Holy Spirit, is you're longing for peace. You want these broken relationships repaired. You want your relationship with God to be restored. You want larger, you want to see people coming to know you. You want peace if you know Jesus. And what Simeon wanted was peace. And he saw it in Jesus. Now here it comes down to the nitty gritty for your prayer life and my prayer life, okay? So much of our lack of prayer is knowing that when God brings peace, it's going to do a lot in our life and the life of others. And sometimes we're not willing to do that. You know what sometimes what peace is? Sometimes what peace is is confronting someone's sin. It really is. Matthew 18 is our pattern for that, right? I go to you and say, hey, I think you're sinning. And they disagree. And like, I'm going to bring a buddy. And then you come to the church. That's a hard process. But when we allow sin to continue in relationships with people we say we love, it does not bring peace. It does not. We think we're keeping peace, but it only makes for more and more conflict. When we have unconfessed sin in our lives, it doesn't bring peace. It only brings more and more conflict. Friends, when we long for peace, when we long for peace, we've got to find it in Jesus. Jesus, who would stand up for righteousness and speak it. Jesus, who would suffer for the sake of the gospel. Jesus, who would die for our own salvation. In our prayer lives, we've got to take time to ask ourselves, where do I not see peace? Where do I not see peace in my life? Where do I not see peace in the relationship's life? Where do I not see peace at work or at church? And then we got to start with, but my relationship with God is repaired. That's where I start with peace and I move outward. That's where I move outward. I will tell you all, friends, that if this worship experience is not worshipful, there is a lack of peace somewhere. 
can this be better or that be better and I be better? Yes, however you define better, yes. But if you don't have peace in your worship, you got to do business with God. I've got to do business with God. But what's happening here is God's being glorified, and we do everything we can to grow it and grow it and make it more godly and biblical. But when I see peace breaking down in relationships, I'm like, Jesus, you've got to work. You've got to work. My prayers have to move towards those ends, and they always start personally. I, I think of Simeon. Simeon is this old guy trying to be godly in a community that's not godly. And he's been holding on to a promise that's thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. And he's holding on to it so confidently, God says, Simeon, you're, Simeon, you're, you're the guy who gets to see it. And he's holding a baby. And that's where he sees peace. A lot of things have to happen for peace to be brought about by holding a baby. You know, I've told you, I, I don't know if I've told you guys, some of you know that my fa- favorite Bible verse, I think my kids all know it, I've shared with them a lot. Isaiah 26.3 is my favorite Bible verse. It says, He will keep him at pe- perfect peace, him whose heart and mind has stayed on thee. Let me say that again. He will keep you at perfect peace, him whose heart and mind has stayed on thee. So that means you have perfect peace if you can keep your heart and mind on Jesus. And part of us goes, well, I can't, so I'm not going to have perfect peace. I get it. That promise should humiliate every one of us. It should humble us to make us 100% dependent on God and then recognize, God, you're going to have to do this. I'm completely not at peace. No peace whatsoever. Some of us can look at our life and not find a single segment that we're at peace. We don't like the way we eat. We don't like the way we look. We don't like the way we get up. We don't like our sleep patterns. We don't like our exercise. We don't like our work. We don't like our bank account. Some of us are in that situations. I get it. And you're like, Father, I need some peace. And he's going to say, well, then you got to set your heart and mind on me, those who delight in him, right? And we're like, I can't do that either. And you're like, then that's where I'm at. Will you set my heart and mind on you before I worry about how I sleep, eat, drink, and my relationships? Because if that's not repaired, if your heart and mind is not set on God, if that's not where we are, all the other stuff is going to be a wreck and it's going to mess us up. But you can have your heart delighting and peaceful in Jesus Christ, and you can walk through the catastrophe and have joy. And that's what I'm praying for you. It's what I'm praying for me. It's what Simeon experienced. One of the few righteous and godly men in the whole land, and he had faith enough to say, this little baby is the promise. Is the promise. Let's keep going. Those who long for Jesus bless others. Now, his father and mother, his is Jesus, father and mother are Mary and Joseph, okay? They marveled at what was said about Jesus. This is happening over and over again. Wise men coming, angels. People keep showing up to affirm Mary and Joseph's faith. Like you guys have been through so much on that, and you just had this baby, but we need to remind you, this is God's work. And so they're marveling. They're marveling. They're taking Simeon's words as a prophet. Simeon is a prophet over Jesus. When was the last thing you marveled at? Like, I mean, do we even have marveling? Like, marveling is like when you're just taken aback, like, I can't even imagine this thing. What is it? What's the last thing you marveled at? I don't even know. 
I mean, just something you're so overwhelmed was amazing and that you marveled at. I just don't think we marvel a whole lot. I think we've dampened our expectations. I mean, they marveled that this prophet would show up and say about this, their baby. Verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, and by the way, we've got to get back to more blessing. We really do. Like, just, it, it's okay to use the language. You're like, I just came to bless you. I just came to pray for you. I just came to love on you. I just came to bless you right now. Like, you can do it to me. You can practice on me, Gordon. I just came to bless you. I'm like, bring it. Bring it, bring it. If you need to get comfortable with the language, just bless him. Just bless him. Simeon said, I, I'm just here to bless you. But as all things in the gospel go, we have to face hard realities. He's like, hey, Mary, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. I don't know if anyone else here want to hear that about the, our kid. Like, hey, hey, your kid is going to cause a bunch of people in church to rise and a bunch of people in church to fall away. That would be hard to hear, right? Like, hey, your kid is going to cause a lot of people to love God and is going to cause a lot of people to be heretics. Your kid's going to cause a lot of people to cry out in salvation and cry a lot of kids to be apostate. That would be hard to hear. First part, yay, heart. Next part, that's going to be a hard life. That's telling him, hey, your kid's going to be speaking some truth. And a bunch of people are going to come to know God, and a bunch of people are going to fall away. He's going to be a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul. Hey, Mary, I just want you to know, God's going to take a sword and pierce your soul because of your kid. Mary, you're going to have so much sadness you cannot imagine. Mary, you're going to be heartbroken because of what God did. It's like, we just came to church for the purification ceremony. Can I just not come and be happy? Like, no, no. Worship is about the telling of the truth, and sometimes it's about getting your heart broken. It's for good, but a lot of people fall. Mary, you have a lot ahead of you. The thoughts of many hearts are going to be revealed. Mary, your kid is going to make people's hearts, all that stuff you hide, is going to make all that stuff come out. Is going to make all that stuff come out. Now, you're not Mary, by the way, thankfully. And you're not Joseph, and none of you are holding Jesus, okay? So let's make sure I want to be careful in the story here, okay? But when you long for Jesus, other people are blessed. I promise you. If you're like, Father, I just want Jesus. I just want Jesus to do this work. I just want Jesus to be present. I want Jesus in the life of my kids. I want the life of my marriage. I want it in my church. Father, I just long for Jesus to be present. Then God is going to bless other people through it. He's going to. Now, I could have made that point. Those who long for Jesus <laughs> also really, really hurt people too because that's the rise and the fall. But I'm trying to focus on the positive. It's a Christmas message. Friends, we've got to long for Jesus. I can give you the list of the things I long for that compete with Jesus. And some of you know me and can probably give me my list too. Don't worry, I've got yours. But listen, we have competing desires for Jesus. Some of those competing desires are good things. Right? Health. College for our kids, good jobs, you know, a raked yard. I mean, whatever the case may be, we have things we long for. They're good things. 
But they compete against Jesus so often. And it's so difficult to believe that if we seek Jesus first, those other things find their proper perspective. Because we can hold on to the things of this world. We can see them. We can count them. But when we're longing for Jesus, that's where real blessing occurs. The spirit of worship in this church going forward has got to be the longing for Jesus. And if it's not the longing for Jesus we seek most, then this worship experience is going to be found deficient. It is. If you're not longing for Jesus first, we're not going to be satisfied. You might be entertained, but that's not being satisfied with Jesus. From me, your pastor, and your elder, your deacons, your godly men and women in this church, like God is calling us to nothing new. He's just calling us to be satisfied with Jesus. I mean, I look at this amazing work, and I'm so thankful I had this fear there were going to be like four bags up here. I had a nightmare. I had a nightmare last night. We were going to get in there like four bags. And I knew we had four in the car, but I dreamed also they had been stolen. So I know you, can worry about, you can worry about me. I need a break. And so, like, people are being blessed by this. And you know what? A bunch of non-Christians are doing this too. And they probably got more than we have, but I'm not worried about that. Because I know that these are blessed And these have been prayed for, and the cans aren't sacred or holy. It's that God's using your work to bless other people. But we're praying. God, make us so satisfied and longing for Jesus that you use us to bless others. Like, we need to be blessing others in the coming year. We really do. And you know what? We could create an amazing program. To go out and bless others. And we might do that this year, right? We might create the, just the most fancy, organized program to bless others ever. And that would be great. But if we really want people to be blessed, we need to make sure that it's accompanied with a longing for Jesus and people to experience him. So we need both. We need God to say, love Jesus first and then bless others through it. That's what Mary was facing. Mary was facing, okay, this little baby is going to bring a lot of people to love God. This little baby is going to cause a lot of people to run away from God. And in the whole process, my heart's going to be broken. Now, again, you're not Mary, you're not holding Joseph, but that sounds like the Christian life to me. In fact, it sounds like the Christian life of almost everybody I see in the Bible. That loving God means a lot of people are going to be blessed. Loving God means a lot of people are going to fall away. And in loving God, your heart's going to be broken. It's the picture of everybody I see in the Bible. And we are so fearful of those people who fall away. And we're so fearful of our hearts being broken. Because we're finite. We're human. We're weak. I understand it. The cure for that is to just long for Jesus. Long for Jesus. It's so hard to just long for Jesus. Because to long for Jesus means that probably some desire in your heart is going to be replaced or cut away. Some desire in your heart has got to be cut away for us to love and long for Jesus. And we're scared of that, right? We're scared. We have agendas, desires, some good things, some sinful things. We're really scared that God's going to cut it away. Our desires become our comfort. They become our inward story and our inward dialogue. But we've got to pray, God, replace it with a longing for Jesus. 
Simeon got it. Mary and Joseph got it. You go through the Gospels, you see so many people got it. Acts all the way through the rest of the New Testament, all the way up to here. Longing for Jesus is our highest good and our highest worship. I think I skipped a point somewhere along the way here. I don't even know where I'm at today. Now we're good. I want to wrap up with this, but I've got more to go, as you can imagine. We can bring it back. There we go. Your prayer is really about being satisfied with Jesus. Our prayer life is not the list that we need to give to God, though he's, he invites you to bring petitions. Our prayer life is not just those silent, quiet moments that are so hard for it, though it is that. Your prayer life is enjoying your Savior and being satisfied with Him. Now, in the next week, many of us are going to be overwhelmed with a gross amount of presents, right? Just a gross amount of unwrapping of presents. It's going to be fun, hopefully, and it's going to be joyful. But in, in this crowd, probably a, a gross amount of gifts are going to be given, right? And I love it. I love it. It's going to be fun. But when that little kid comes up and can give you a hug because of the gifts they received, right? Like, it's hard. It was hard for me as a kid. I just wanted to play with the toys, right? And I get it. But if there's that moment where the child just goes, hey, mom and dad, thanks. Like, where they recognize where the gift came from. Like, that is the absolute best moment, right? Some of you some of you guys are crying already. Right? I mean, isn't it, though? I mean, it's not really when we just, when the kid says, Thank, like, it all comes from you. Like, that's what we're talking about in a prayer. You can ask God for all of these things. Pray for, pray for your petitions and your sickness and your concerns and for your fun and all those things. But it's really about being satisfied with Jesus before anything else. It makes the giving of all those gifts from God all the more joyful. We've got to become more satisfied with Jesus. This is what we looked at. Those who long for Jesus are satisfied with him. Those who long for peace are satisfied with Jesus. And those who long for Jesus bless others. Let's look at our truth. When our prayers reflect our satisfaction with Jesus, we grow in contentment, peace, and service. If we as individuals and we as evident grace want to grow in contentment, meaning that we're okay with whatever God gives us, if we want to be a peaceful congregation and we want to serve more, if we want to do that, then what's going to happen is our prayers have to reflect satisfaction in Jesus alone first. We have to show proper stewardship of thanks to Jesus if we want God to bless us in all the other areas. You've got to steward and manage your relationship with Jesus first. Like God, make me satisfied with Jesus because... I want to speak peace in this person's life. I want to speak hard truths in this person's life. Father, make me so satisfied with you that if I get rejected by speaking in this person's life, I'm still thankful. God, make me so content with Jesus that I'm then freed up and emboldened to go and serve others. Maybe this year we just kind of wandered from Jesus a little bit. And it happened. Maybe we wandered from a lot. And I'm not going to say it's okay. It's not. It's sinful. We confess it. But it's not uncommon for the people of God to find themselves deep in the desert, right? It's just not. Doesn't mean that God's abandoned us or he's lost us or he no longer loves us. Those things happen. He still loves you because he knew your name before eternity passed. 
But it is time for us to confess our sins and return to Jesus. It is. Here's our application. Live knowing that your prayers are intended to grow you in satisfaction with Jesus. Everything you pray for, every single thing, the intention of that is for you to be in greater intimacy with Jesus. Just intimacy with Jesus, like comfortability with Jesus. That's why all that other stuff will happen. But your prayer time, just intimacy. Just enjoying your Savior. Being comfortable speaking His name. Being thankful. That's where we need to be. It's my prayer for you. My prayer for us. All right, action. I'll give you an action and I'll give you an example. I want you to pray today. And again, I'll send this out to you this week, okay? Pray today that each of your prayers would make you more satisfied with Jesus. Forgive the typo. Every prayer, no matter what it is, don't pray it unless it increases your satisfaction with Jesus. So if you're like, God, give me a million dollars, that's fine. But just pray, but I only want it if I become more satisfied with you. That'll purify those prayers, right? God, I really, really want a new job. That's fine. Are you praying that you'll be more satisfied with Jesus in the giving of it? Father, fix this relationship. Is it going to make you more satisfied with Jesus? Every, that's why you get those prayers from God like, your will be done. That's what it is, right? God's will is for you to be more satisfied in him. Here's an example. Father, don't do this or give this to me unless it's going to make me more satisfied with Jesus. Like everything I just prayed, I don't want it unless it makes me more satisfied with you. Don't give me anything, God, that's going to make me less satisfied with Jesus. Nothing. Like, wean all these prayers I give you. Clean them up. Clean them up. I don't want any of them. That's a hard prayer to pray because there's some stuff we really want, whether it makes us satisfied with Jesus or not. We got things we want. We got, I mean, there's, again, I got the list in my heart, and I'm scared to go any further. There's things that we want. God doesn't want you anywhere but closer to him. So friends, as I begin to wrap this up, forgive me if I've been yelling at you for the last 30 minutes. I yell less when I have notes. Whatever God is doing among us, I can tell you that his intention is for us to be more satisfied in Jesus. No matter what. No matter what he's doing, his goal is to make you love Jesus more and be more satisfied in Jesus. And I know that what I desire is for us to be closer intimately, for our worship to be more vibrant, more hopeful, that our service be more effective. And I believe you guys want that too. But none of it matters unless we're satisfied with Jesus. Numbers in here can be huge. Are we satisfied with Jesus? We can massive service efforts. Are we satisfied with Jesus? Our intention is not to create a social club that does a lot of it. We've already got the Kiwanis and the, those, the Rotary. They do it better than we do, I promise you. I love those folks. The Rotary just kicks butt downtown. Those, fan, those folks are fantastic. That's not what we're intending to do here. What we're doing is gathering the saints of Jesus Christ together to proclaim his holy truth so that we might grow in intimacy with him and others might come in and God transform them and the church grow. That's what we're doing here. 
And Christ is doing it. Don't let your hearts be discouraged. Because Christ is present. He is at work. Let's take these last nine days of this focus on prayer. Use the prayer guide. Let's be in united prayer with one another. And then let's pray that God moves mightily in our hearts. But the first thing we're going to pray for is that we would all be more satisfied in him. Let me pray for us. I'm going to ask the music team to come on and get set up. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to move towards taking the Lord's Supper. Um, Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray that you would match the hunger that we experience for food, the hunger we experience for sleep, the hunger we experience for rest. Would you exceed all that with a hunger for Jesus Christ? Father, would you make our greatest delight, our greatest satisfaction, Jesus? Our hearts won't be disappointed if you give us that. Father, we want relationships, we want toys, uh, we want jobs, we want status. But Father, in all of those things, make our desire for Christ greatest. Would Jesus be the name above every name in our homes and in our church? Father, we know that the name of Jesus is going to cause some to rise and some to fall. Our hearts will be broken in the midst. But would we be satisfied to speak the truth of Jesus, the mercies of Jesus, make our worship vibrant and warm? Thank you for Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in his mighty and powerful name. Amen.